Welcome to the Renew the Arts podcast, where we discuss the role of art and creativity in the church and in the world. We're your hosts, Justice Stout and Michael Minkoff. Our mission at Renew the Arts is to liberate Christian creativity. At renewthearts.org, you can see what we're working on and see how you can get involved in the creative revival that is currently happening in the church. If you like what we're doing and want to support it financially, please consider donating at renewthearts.org forward slash donate. Speaking of ugly art, how far is too far? Curse words, nudity, violence, gore? Where do you draw the line between cultural engagement and opening yourself up to needless temptation? This episode on Renew the Arts, we ask you to go bleep yourself. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great title. I I do wonder how many people are going to... Get it? Not Well, get it and also just not like that. Now, there, there might be a few people who don't like it. But Go Bleep Yourself is actually incredibly appropriate because this whole episode is about self-censorship. Bleeping yourself. Actually bleeping yourself. Um, so, yeah, we're going to dive, dive right into that. Um, one of the reasons that I think uh, this topic is important for what we're doing is that, um, well, our mission is to liberate Christian creativity and what... That means, uh, in a big sense, is to remove non-biblical restrictions from from Christ- artists. From artists, right? So, what does non-biblical restrictions mean? So, I, I have this conversation all the time. Um, I remember one time I was talking to a good friend of mine, um, and basically giving him the whole pitch. You know, renew the arts. We're trying to liberate Christian creativity, and I mentioned removing non-biblical restrictions and he's like okay so what are those it's like well i don't think uh if if you're a christian and you want to make a film i don't think it has to be g-rated for example or if you're a musician making an album i don't necessarily think it has to sound like you're ripping off u2 or i don't think or or coldplay yeah exactly um so there are these these ideas that christian art have you know christian artists have to kind of fit a mold and um those molds are oftentimes not biblically based. Now, we say non-biblical instead of unbiblical because um, it's not necessarily unbiblical. Wrong. or Exactly, wrong, according to the Bible, to, to say, hey, your movie should be G-rated. But it's extra-biblical. Mm-hmm. You're adding more restrictions than the Bible itself gives Christians, mm-hmm. specifically Christian artists. Anyway, so we're talking about all this, and my friend says, okay, so... You know, not G-rated, you know, curse words are maybe applicable at certain times. But, I mean, where do you draw the line? Like, does that mean that you just, just anything goes? And, like, what about my kids? Like, do I just let them watch anything or listen to anything? Um, And we had an episode on the podcast already, Ugly Art. Um, What was the title of it? Why Why the Church Needs More Ugly Art. Yeah, Why the Church Needs More Ugly Art. We're we're big fans of Ugly Art. And I uh, think that it, it's very important right now. So, And if you don't know what we mean by that, go and listen. Go check out the... <laughs> yeah, that, go check it out. Podcast. Was it episode number two? I don't know, man. Yeah, it, it's, I think it's, it's near three. the beginning. Check it out. It's three. It's Rusty's re- telling us it's three. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Oh, stop it. We were, that was awesome, guys. Um, so anyway, it does raise the question, though, of, hey, guys, seriously, though, where do you draw the line? Yeah. Uh, if I think a lot of Christians right now do kind of feel the um, the weird restriction of, of, hey, if you're a Christian movie maker, you have to make a G-rated film. That doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel right. Yeah. And as a, a, a movie viewer, it doesn't seem... Um, it it doesn't seem appropriate that I should only watch G movies. Um, but at the same time, does that mean I completely open myself up to, to anything? That, yeah, so that it's might not come? just artists themselves who are given freedom. We would also say that viewers should be given freedom. But in my opinion, and I think yours too, uh, the pillar that supports both of these freedoms is actually self-control. Yes. That if you don't have external controls on the artist or on the viewer, and you're basically saying, look, wherever the spirit leads you and wherever you feel you can defend, you know, because eventually you're yeah. going to have to defend this before God, mm-hmm. and he's going to judge you for every careless word, much less, you know, all the other things that we do. Right. Um, or much more. Anyway, so I'm looking at this situation and saying, all right, we have to have self control. If you don't have external controls, that are forcing it into a particular mold, each individual has to express spirit-born self-control. Yeah, and what's very interesting about that, and I'm going to pull this up real quick here, is that um, as a generation, um, when it comes to media content, we, uh, and I fall within the millennial generation, millennials are terrible at Um, self-censorship. This book is titled Unchristian. It was... um, done by the Barna Group, authored by David Kinnaman. And um, listen to this, listen to this nugget here. Young people are significantly less likely than older adults to limit their media content out of discomfort with the values or perspectives represented. Consider this fact. A majority of those ages 42 plus say that the content of movies and television is a major problem facing America. But that drops to just one third of those eighteen to forty-one. Hmm. So, the content, and I think that they're focusing on on ideology in that quote. But I just, from my perspective, it well, also values, applies. Though, I mean, values, values has to do with it, nudity, curse words, right, etc. Right, exactly. Those so, are not appropriate. <clears throat> you know, that's what people, some people right, would say. Those right, are not right, appropriate. Right. So it is those ba- not, yeah, those are not according oriented. to my values. So. Uh, Young people are far less likely to censor themselves. This generation is far less likely to censor our, ourselves um, than older generations. And that, of course, begs the question of why. Um, right. Why are we so much more willing to take in, for example, violence, yeah. nudity, cursing? I think, ironically, it's because of the attempts at control that these cookie cutter restrictions have made yeah that that actually when you're given controls i mean i talk about this a lot as a parent i have five kids i have to be really careful the rules i give my kids because you don't always know how those rules are going to impact them you don't just want behavior oriented changes you're you're looking to give them the kinds of rules that will encourage them towards heart change right and so you don't want to make rules that eventually you're going to regret having given them Um, and so for instance, I have no problem with dancing. 
I don't know where dancing might lead, according to the Baptist. Uh, <laughs> not the Baptist, just anybody. Do you know who that joke, that. though? Yeah, I do. Okay. <laughs> I don't know that it needs to be repeated. <laughs> I mean, Go bleep won't. yourself, Justice. I'm going to censor myself. <laughs> I'm not going to say uh, that joke. Anyway, but um, if I tell my kids, you shouldn't dance because it could lead to other things, and then when they get old enough to sort of test those boundaries, they start dancing and they realize it doesn't necessarily lead to other things. Mm -hmm. Then what does that mean about the other rules, the other directions I've given them? All of a sudden they start saying, you know, your rules are all superficial and you weren't really seeing to the heart of the issue anyway. And so I'm I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to disregard. I'm just going to disregard all of your rules. Right. And all of a sudden your rule against fornication starts to look a whole lot like your rule against dancing. Yeah. And uh, that becomes a really dangerous situation, and I think that's what we're seeing with millennials, to a large extent, is in this. It's sort of parallel to the hippie generation, mm-hmm. where like hippies just disregarded all the rules because their parents were like authoritarian mm-hmm. in in an unreasonable way. Now, I'm not saying that parents don't have authority. Obviously, I'm a parent. I'm not trying to undermine my own <laughs> legitimacy as, as an Heavens, authority. Don't take your own power. Away. I know, seriously, right? <laughs> um, but. I am saying, as a parent, I have to be very careful that I am not the owner of my children, and I'm not ultimately the controller of my children. I am a steward called to shepherd them, Mm -hmm. and for the time that I have with them, which is not very long in the grand scheme, and I want to make sure the rules I give them are conducive and productive to a long-term life of holiness. I don't think we got that. From, yeah. from our parents' generation. Now, I'm not even going to say I don't think I got that from my parents, although to some extent... That might mean be the th- case. That might be the case. I'm not going to throw them under the bus because I do honor them. They, they did a really, really fantastic job. But I this think. might be something that you're looking in... You know, looking back on and thinking you might do a little differently. With, not, with their permission and support. Yeah. You know, they're looking at my kids and saying, hey, don't do it exactly like we did it. Right, right. <laughs> well, uh, I, the way that I describe this to a lot of... Um, uh, my friends, particularly people a bit older than me, um, I have growing up, me and my peers, a, a lot of a lot of us um, would start listening to music that our parents didn't particularly. Uh, it wasn't sanctioned, mm-hmm. um, but looking back on it, and this is the case really for me and most of my friends that you know. It wasn't an act of rebellion against their rules. Um, it was actually we were looking for um, content that actually spoke to us. Um, I remember Sufjan Stevens, not that my parents particularly dislike Sufjan Stevens, but um, my mom wasn't really much of a fan and didn't really, I don't know. And that that was that was a non-sanctioned, you know, he wasn't, a very overtly Christian artist, at least to my family's standards, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? He wasn't a Michael W. Smith or whatever. And um, But I went to him because I believed him mm-hmm. and because I uh, he seemed transparent and honest and genuine in, in what he was talking about. I, I, could un- I could hear his sincerity. And I wasn't getting a lot of that from the sanctioned music that my family was providing. Right. And so it's well, that's really why, that's interesting. not why they were giving it to you. They weren't giving it to you as paragons of sincerity. They were giving it to you as examples of examples of true things or good things that you could 
you know, meditate on. Mm-hmm. They had a different value in that art right. than what you were trying to get from it. Right. But what's interesting is that I had to break that mold to find something that actually was very valuable And speaking to you with truth and edifying yeah, you yeah. and all these things. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I think that... So the, so the, a lot of it yeah. there was um, this idea of um, a rule of thumb when approaching music is, if you're going to listen to music, listen to a Christian artist. Mm-hmm. And so, um, well, okay, so we're actually about to get into kind of a laundry list of things. At least that's, that's where I'm headed. Yeah, I no, because I do think, let's, let's address some of the rules that, that have been given and talk about well, the good motives of those rules, yeah, for one. Exactly. Let's talk about that there is a spirit in these rules that means for something good. Mm-hmm. And so let's not totally condemn our parents' right. generation. They were on to something. So this first one yeah. um, is secular versus sacred. Right. The idea of uh, if I'm going to give my, my kid music to listen to, it has to be by a Christian artist. And, yeah, um, most of the... Most of the well, I mentioned Sufjan. He's not. He he is a Christian, but like even the secular music that I gravitated toward, it wasn't out of some act of defiance. Mm. It was because they were bringing a lot to the table, right? And um, and, and not necessarily and, all true, but worth hearing and worth engaging with. And sometimes true though. That's yeah, kind of the, true as well. Like uh, Neil Young has some really true songs. I don't believe he's a believer. He has some untrue songs, but hey, yeah, yeah. like don't throw the baby out with the bathwater in some right. senses. And you have an opportunity there. Again, this is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You have an opportunity there. If your son is listening to, or your daughter is listening to Neil Young, mm-hmm. and you know, and he listens to the song, you know, "Hey man, look at my life. I'm a lot like you were." And you're like, "What is this song about?" You have an opportunity as a parent at that time to talk to your son or right. your daughter and say, hey, let's talk about the lyrics of these songs. Right. Is your son and daughter going to be permanently destroyed by hearing one bit of compelling honesty from an unbeliever? From an unbeliever. And and if you take this uh, rule, this kind of easy rule uh, to its logical extent, I remember uh, when I was a teenager, I was kind of thinking along these terms and trying to resolve it in my own head. And I, and then I found out um, that Beethoven was like total no. atheist. Yeah, anti. And so then I remember in church circles uh, talking about, you know, music, Be- what you're allowed to yeah. listen to, what you're not allowed Beethoven's to listen to. Beethoven's on the list of, of and, A-OK. And he is because it's classical. There's this, and this, man, this could be another podcast, but like <laughs> Renew the Arts, a lot of times whenever I say, oh, yeah, I, you know, an org- I do this, this. We're doing this organization called Renew the Arts. It's like, oh, so like, bringing Paintings? it back to like, you know, crosses at sunrise. No, no, uh, even further than that, like, cl- they're classicists. Oh, it's like, oh, right. so cathedral you builders. want? Yes, I call exactly, them cathedral exactly. So like, you want yeah. cathedrals again, and you want classical music back in the. It's like, well, that's not really what I'm saying. But anyway, so the point here, real quick, we're uh, not against cathedrals, no, or classical music. No, those those are totally great. They're just not exclusively great. And and uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. By renewing the, renewing the arts, you're not reverting back to the good old days. Exactly, because that's good old days. There is there is a lot to do um, that is more relevant and appropriate for right now for, for and the for these time. current audiences. But for whatever reason, like if I come into your bedroom and you're listening to Kanye West. 
and like I say, you can't listen to Kanye West. I say, why not, ma? And she says, because he's not a Christian. Is she going to come into the bedroom and I'm listening to Beethoven? Is she going to say, you can't listen to Beethoven. He's not a Christian. That's that's like at least well, they growing were, up for me, that was not going to happen. I remember talking to people at church like, yeah. do you listen to Beethoven? Would you listen to Beethoven? You would? He's a, he's a God hater. Why why would you listen to, to Beethoven if that's the case and if that's your standard? And um, a lot of silence followed that question. Well, I think for a lot of people, they're saying, I want to listen to Christian art, not necessarily Christian artists, because that's mm-hmm. where you fall into the problem anyway. Right. Because like, there are a you've lot got of... a ton of Christian artists who have abandoned the faith. Right. You know, and what do you do with the art they made before they abandoned the faith? Or people like Bob Dylan who will do like three solid or two, two or three. Four, Sol- dude. Oh, really? Yeah. Solid Christian records never publicly even abandoned the faith, just stop making Christian, quote unquote, Christian records. Right. Um, what do you do with those records? Right. Because they seem actually pretty sincere. Like, they're awesome. They're actually really good records. On this rock. Yeah. I saved. will stand on, dude. Saved. Yeah. Slow Train Coming. Slow Train Coming, dude, is good. Those are both really good. They need a and shot Muscle of Shoals, love, dude. Which is, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah anyway, so, so yeah, you're looking at the situation, and it's very hard to determine who actually is a Christian artist and how you would even determine that. Right. Um, and so you, then instead you go, okay, well, how about looking at the art itself? Well, and, even then, mm-hmm. you have these superficial, superficial metrics. Because it's not necessarily the case that Christian music is better for your kids. Just go to, um, uh, maybe we should try and put a link of this up there, but the, one of the founders of the Newsboys, yeah. the God's Not Dead band, mm-hmm. one of the original founders of the Newsboys is an outspoken atheist mm-hmm. at this point. And um, he, he wrote this blog basically talking about a little bit about his deconversion. And um, at the end of this blog, there's a comment section. And you should go to that article, read that article, yeah. And read the comments underneath because you will see person after person after person after person after person. I'm talking dozens of people who say, I'm an atheist now, and my first concert was New Boys, Newsboys, or yeah. my first concert was DC Talk, yeah. or my first concert was whatever Christian band. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking dozens of people who had the same experience where, where actually one of the guys in the comment thread finally just said, it seems like Christian rock music is the best tool atheists have for deconversion. Oh, no. Oh, no. Now, that's a bad state of affairs. That is a bad state of affairs. And it's almost like at that point, your, your kid would be better off listening to Beethoven. Anything. <laughs> uh, he's better off listening to, you know, Beethoven. Beethoven. Yeah, so, no, but he's better off listening to a lot of things, especially if there's engagement. I feel like a lot of the problem with these is that you feel like it's a set it and forget it kind of situation. Right. As long as my kids have these parental blocks and they're not, they're not, they can't even access certain sites and they'll find them anyway. Um, and they can't even, uh, you know, listen to these songs or these yeah. CDs. These are all forbidden. Okay, then I'll be safe. And now just go to your bedroom. Right. And, and just, I, I'm completely. Yeah. I don't have to do anything removed. now. So, so, and it removes, and this is going to be the main theme here, it removes discernment. Discernment. It There's re- no need for wisdom. No need for discernment. And it is much easier to just have a legalistic, black-white rule, um, just say, oh, well, listen to I Christian I just never people. do that. And sometimes they're useful. Sometimes those kinds of rules are useful. I mean, we talked about this before, like yeah. the Billy Graham rule. Sometimes right. you need a black-and-white rule. And I think maybe... 
millennials need more of those kinds of rules than they are willing to admit. I'm just saying the other. They might have gone the other extreme, but those rules they need to voluntarily find, and that's kind of why we're doing this episode. And the rules that we do institute need to encourage discernment or be made with discernment instead of having, um, like, for example, another rule is like the G rating. Mm -hmm. This is like very unhelpful. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you will exclude some explicit content, but by no means does it mean that the movie is going to be healthy for you to watch. And again, if you're putting it on as the babysitter and leaving the room... Right. It's especially unhelpful. Right. Because a lot of G-rated movies are filled with false gospel. Right. So another another in- so uh that's that's one of the uh and that's one of the I would call it like a, a legalistic just rule of thumb that mm-hmm. kind of removes the necessity of discernment from the equation and says, mm-hmm. Hey, just listen to Christians. I think that there are a lot of Christian there's a lot of Christian art that is not very healthy. Um, and there's a lot of quote-unquote non-Christian art that actually that could be totally very rings true, completely edifying. And even if it's not totally true, it's still edifying because you have the opportunity to engage with something that's been honestly crafted yeah. and might not be in agreement with you. And sometimes that's a good thing. So that's that's one of them is the sec- secular versus sac- well Christian versus non-Christian. Um, it's just not that. It's not that easy. It's not that simple. Another one, another interesting one is nudity. Mm. Nudity in art, obviously, uh, particularly film. And again, classical art gets a pass on this one. Yeah, because it's a, it's it's an old well, painting. Like, I don't know. You it's, know, they go in there and be like, nudity is terrible. Hey, come and look at all these nude statues with me. Uh-huh. And you're like, what? I remember when I was <laughs> a kid. I was I was a, I was a kid, and my mom took me to an art museum. God bless her for taking me to art museums. And I. Um, I remember I went into this one room and it was all these Greek statues and they were all naked. Mm-hmm. And I went into the room and I was sort of wandering away from my mom to go and look at some other things. She was like transfixed by some painting or something. And I came back and like tugged at her skirt and I'm all like, Mom, do not go in there. There's naked people in there. <laughs> right. And so I didn't really see much of a difference because there isn't actually much of a difference between those two things. So I wanted to bring this up Joshua Gibbs is a film reviewer. Really, he's just a writer generally. He writes fiction as well. Really great blogger. Mm-hmm. Like, follow him and read his blogs. His blog posts are extremely good. They're, they're well written. Yeah, they're, they're funny. easy to read. They're, they're like easy really. To read. Anyway, he wrote a great piece called Nudity in Film. Nudity in Film. Right, Nudity yeah. in Film. Uh, it's by Josh Gibbs, and this was on his uh, site, Film Fisher. He's not running that anymore, I don't think. He turned it over to uh, some other guys, but he still writes for it occasionally. And yeah. he wrote this one. Anyway, so he talks about this. Uh, this is how the article starts. Really interesting. Would you let your daughter do a nude scene in a movie? Huh? Unfortunately, this is about as sophisticated an argument as most Christians are capable of making against nudity in film. And here's another one. Christians have allowed nudity in art for hundreds of years. Haven't you ever been to a museum? And Josh Gibbs continues, Similarly, many arguments in favor of allowing nudity in film are so daft as to pretend there's not much difference between Venus rising from Botticelli's surf and Phoebe Cates rising from Amy Heckerling's swimming pool. <laughs> uh, I don't get that reference, but I'm not going to look it up. <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually get it either. Like, Josh Gibbs, what kind of movies are you watching? <laughs> but I get um, the idea. Yeah. And so, 
he he talks about this in this article. It's a really, really good article. It's not going to give you a fail-safe answer or a foolproof answer on any of these things, but he is trying to get you to engage in what exactly it is that you're trying to forbid. Right. Um, because he says there are lots of movies without nudity. And he said, however, would you let your daughter do a nude scene in a film, huh? Proves too much in that plenty of Christians who get up in arms about a lady's nipples tend to not talk much about the latex cat suits Marvel greases Scarlett Johansson into every summer. Right. Though I doubt many fathers would let their daughters do that either. I wouldn't let my daughter don a chainmail bikini and lounge on a leash as Jabba's sex slave either. I wouldn't let my daughter wear blue paint and scales to do an X-Men movie either. Now, you're looking at that and you're like, man, but Christians go see the X-Men movies and the Avengers movies and the Star Wars movies and and they endorse them. Mm -hmm. But there's clearly the case that there are sexualized bodies in these movies. Right. Now, In, In the rating system, I think, does go by... And it sounds so crass even, but like the nipple. The nipple, yeah. Like, Whether or is, not it's is shown. There, yeah, is there that's a nipple? That's considered... But, but yeah, and that's what is he's that talking really about. Is that really it? Is that, yeah. is that how you're going to... You know, if you're considering a movie, it's like, how much sexual content is there? Is there in this movie? Well, is there a nipple? No. Oh, All right, well, it's fine. you're good. That's ridiculous. Yeah. No, it's totally absurd. And there are tons of movies where you can see, like, this is not an edifying expression of sexuality. Right. And there's no nudity in this movie. Right. And and it actually goes the opposite way, too. Uh, the mission. Um, and maybe, I think you and I might disagree with this a little. I don't know. I don't know. But The Mission is a fantastic movie. It has a beautiful score. It's about um, Jesuit priests uh, who are reaching a never-before-reached tribe, like deep in the jungle. And... Um, when they finally arrive at this tribe's uh, village, there are, I mean, they're all naked. They're just all naked. Mm-hmm. They, just, they are, and they were. Mm-hmm. Like, it's based on a true story, and they would have been, um, and so they're portrayed that way. And so there are shots of the women, of the women, you know, topless. It's so ridiculous to even say that. You know, they just never, you know, no tops. Um, and so, but the way that it was done, and you can... You know, give me some pushback here if you, if you care to, but like, it's not, it's not sexualized. Yeah, like it's a very. But that's very subjective. It can be very subjective, and, and in this case, maybe that's why it is a self censorship. Because I like, know boys who who like would hoard the National Geographic the... <laughs> magazines. You know, and and it's like, dude, oh man. Okay. Uh, well. You've got problems. So well, I mean, uh, <laughs> so there, I mean, there is definitely a sense of yeah, okay, personal. Maybe the mission is not for for young boys, and that's fine. Like yeah. like maybe I wouldn't show the mission to to my children, or if I did, maybe you know I would tell them to 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 close their eyes, or I, or I would fast forward that part. Right. But I don't think it is. Um, I don't think it was necessarily a bad idea for them to include that because they're female characters. Yeah, and that is how I don't know. I don't, know. It, I don't necessarily disagree with you. Yeah. I do think it's an issue, though, again, of discernment and, and individual discernment. If if that's if you actually think no, seeing it at all, even in the smallest degree, is a needless temptation, not right. something I can overcome. 
Well, by all means, censor ma- yourself. Make that rule for yourself. <laughs> Bleep yourself. Yeah. And, uh, and make that happen. But instead of asking the question of like, is there a nipple? Which is so... That's not a very... That's not helpful. Ask questions like, how does this portray sexuality? Or how does this... Like, how does this treat women? And their bodies. And their bodies. How does this treat men? Men and their bodies. And, like, what does it say about the the purpose of the human body? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, Those are much better questions to ask going into a film. And that'll actually score very poorly a lot of movies that otherwise would get a pass. Right. Um, like, what is this saying about about the human body? Right. I think that's a better question. I agree. And it's hard to determine that sometimes. Again, it takes discernment. That's fine. Yeah, you know, fine. these are these are hard questions, but yeah. but uh, easier questions aren't going to do you any better. No, that's the problem, is yeah. that you're trying, if you're looking for easy solutions for this, there aren't any. It requires wisdom and discernment. But I don't have wisdom. I'm glad you're at this point. If you are, <laughs> uh, God says He will grant you wisdom if you ask Him for it. Yeah, like He just says He will. Yeah. So if you lack wisdom, just ask, ask our some. Father, and He will give it to you. And um, you can go from there. But what we say is, no, I want to not have to exercise wisdom. It's like you're losing an opportunity. If, if there's no nipple, it's PG and yeah, we're all we're good. good. Yeah, I'll no wisdom the, necessary. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, oh, so you're not actually desiring wisdom from God, like this thing he's promised to give you? Nope, sorry, I don't need it. I already have the rules in Got place. a rule of thumb here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think, you know, that's why these things are so important. And, again, why it's important for millennials mm-hmm. um, that, look, don't, don't think that your parents weren't onto something. They were. They just may not have picked the right rules for you. Maybe they did. Maybe you don't even know yourself as mm. well as you think you do. Right. You know, but I'm just saying, let's not throw them out altogether. Right. And let's not just uh, apply them willy-nilly. Yeah. Because that's damaging both to the arts and to yourself. This happened with uh, me and Anakat. We were watching um, Friends. Yeah. The show. The mm-hmm. TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. I know yeah. Yeah, that's the one. That is the one, Michael. You did that. You nailed it. <laughs> and uh, after watching it for a while, uh, I made kind of like I don't know. We talked about it, and it was like, listen, I don't. They they treat uh, they. I basically couldn't get through two or three episodes without them bringing up pornography and treating it really flippantly, yeah. like really like. Casually. Everybody does, yeah, exactly. Casually, everybody does, like all the time. Like seriously, if you watch Friends, or if you have watched Friends, you probably know what I'm talking about. Like it comes up all the time, and it's like this. It's like taking out the trash. It's mm. it's just something that everyone does, and everyone's fine with it, and it's like expected. And um, and doing that by cutting yourself off from that, though, it's not just doing something for you personally. It is also affecting the market, and that's the other side of this. Right. That we really, you have to talk about this. This is, yeah, this is very important. Because You're not making these choices in a vacuum. It actually influences um, decisions that are going to affect people around you uh, and yourself in the future. Right. So it, the way that I put this is active patronage and passive patronage. And I would say that active patronage is where you commission a painting or sponsor a film or do a Kickstarter for a, a band or donate to renew the arts so that we can invest in Christian <laughs> artists. 
<laughs> that's shameless. That's active patronage, and it's much appreciated. <laughs> um, but passive patronage is just as important. Where you're on Netflix, what you watch is directly considered whenever they determine what to make in the future right. for viewers. So exactly. So if it's popular. They'll then, make more of it. Then they're going to make more of it. And they're going to make more of it exactly as it is. Mm-hmm. Because your watch is is not able to be uh, itemized. You can't itemize your watch. Now, if you have something it would like be nice if Netflix VidAngel, had... <laughs> if you have something like VidAngel, and VidAngel were actually uh, transferring like this data yeah, to exactly. Netflix and saying, hey, by the way, Everybody 90% this part. of the people or... who watch this show cut the nudity out altogether. Hmm, maybe we don't need this. Yeah. Yeah, but that's not the case. That's not the case what when is you're the watching case on Netflix. is that if you watch Friends, well, maybe Friends isn't a great example, but it's like, hey, people don't care. Game people of don't Thrones. Care. Game of Thrones is a much better example. It's yeah. like, hey, this is really, you know, popular. Everybody's watching it. Christians don't seem to have a problem with it for the most part. Um, of course, there are censored versions. I think those are pretty illegal, which is kind of a bummer. I think you can do it through VidAngel if you have HBO through an Amazon account. I know. Man. Yeah, so that's not happening. That's pretty difficult. If you already got is HBO Go, are you going to pay an extra $10 <laughs> to have it on Amazon? Probably not. But the point is, what you watch um, is actually a vote for more of that in the future. And it's not just streaming services, it's, you know, the box office. If mm-hmm. you go, you know, a film comes out, and this is, the, dude, what's so funny is like the Da Vinci Code, mm-hmm. when that came out, it's like more than half the people that went to watch it were outraged Christians. <laughs> like, we gotta figure or, out how to combat this. Let's buy, I'm gonna buy the whole church ticket so we can yeah. go in there and figure it's out how to- It's the hate share. It's the hate share. Like when people post articles that they hate, with a little comment above it saying, what an idiot this guy is, or something like that. You're like, dude, that's ad revenue. You're paying, You're paying <laughs> him to write. You're paying him to write that You're article you hate so much. You're asking for more articles just like that. Yeah. And the same thing with the Da Vinci Code. It's like, hey, we, the church is begging to buy more tickets Or the God Delusion. All, when yeah, Richard yeah, yeah. Dawkins uh, published that book, there was like hardly any book like it. After he published it and it became a success... Then you have like God is not great and like the Daniel Dennett's and the Christopher Hitchens and all the other four horsemen of the athe apocalypse <laughs> come out. And it's just like, man, guys, Don't there aren't their enough book. atheists to make this book a bestseller. There really aren't. There are not. Like, <laughs> like you guys are doing this. You yeah. are making it happen. So any... So, you know, this is true for Netflix or streaming services or the box office or purchasing CDs. It goes Consider on and on. What Consider what you're asking doing. them to make more of. Would you want more of what you're getting? Would you, would you be just as satisfied going to the producer of whatever this item is and saying, I want more of just of something just exactly like this? Because like that's what you're saying when you click play and you watch to the end. Yeah. Um, so ultimately... Uh, when it comes to art, I do think that it's it's very important for us to to have censorship. I think that it's just important Self. that it's self censorship. Censorship. And um, but but to take that really seriously, it's for so funny. Yourself. It's like, but that almost sounds like a just a a cop out. Yeah, self censorship. No, 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 this no. is 
This is very you're gonna serious. Answer. Like, guard, you're going to answer. And you're going to reap what... And it's going to have consequences in your I life. I remember... Uh, what's the story? So my brother Micah, who was very influential in both our lives, Yeah. he... Um, what's the story about him going to the theater? You tell it. He would walk out of movies. Yeah. And... You know, if there was something that he didn't want to see or something that he didn't like a lot, he just would walk out, and people thought that was really weird. Um, there were certain bands, certain songs, certain whatever, and sometimes even bands that he was listening to that he just stopped listening to. And uh, I remember somebody said something along the lines, and, you know, people have a tendency to cherry-pick verses for their needs. <laughs> um, but they said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what proceeds from his mouth. Uh, that defiles him. And, and so, you know, you don't have to worry about what you consume so much. That's not going to make as much of a difference in your heart. And Micah uh, said, yeah, but, you know, bad company corrupts good morals. Mm-hmm. And I, these movies, this music that you're spending a lot of time with, you're, that's bad company. Right. Like the, this is you're bad company. You're associating with this. And it's like Psalm 1. You're hanging around with scoffers, mocking yeah. the things of God. And if you do spend a lot of time uh, consuming that kind of material, it does have an impact on your outlook on, on the world. Yeah, I have a great quote right here. This is from Imagine, is the title of the book. It's written by Steve Turner, and I highly recommend it to people who uh, would like to develop a vision for Christians in the arts. Um, so this is, a, I'm just going to read this as a quote. Some arts are so obviously and thoroughly inspired by evil that we can't benefit from it at all. Some art leaves us with images that we find hard to erase or words that come back to haunt us. In my lifetime, I have seen Christians go from an almost total ban on movie going to a laissez-faire attitude that we can watch anything as long as we have an appropriate comment to make at the end. We should respect the power of art. We can't let our spirits take any amount of punishment and expect to emerge unscathed. Sometimes we give ourselves permission to watch, listen, or read such material because we say it's just for a laugh or it's a bit of fun, but that usually means that our critical faculties are relaxed, and it is precisely at these times that our thinking can be shaped by ideas that are antagonistic towards faithful living. I think that T.S. Eliot had it right when he concluded that, quote, it is just the literature that we read for amusement or purely for pleasure that may have the greatest and least suspected influence upon us. It is the literature that we read with the least effort that can have the easiest and most insidious influence upon us. Hmm. Um, that's I a think, closer right there. That's, yeah. That's, 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 he, that's, he completely nailed it there, yeah. and I've seen that. Like the, I think it coincides with the worldview uh, the movement for developing worldview. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, listen, if you can, it doesn't matter what you watch. If you can walk away and say, well, I've analyzed this. This is the world. It's hedonism, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> downright hedonism. And Yeah, but the hedonism speaking to your heart, too. Yeah, and you just let, you let an hour in. and a half of hedonism. Right in. Right in. And yeah. sometimes, sometimes, sometimes ugliness in some senses, uh, you know, and again, referring back to the referring, podcast, yeah. it's important. It can be worth it. Sometimes it's absolutely necessary. I'd say a lot of times it's necessary. But why? Yeah. And that's where discernment comes in. You've got to make an assessment. Why and how are these elements being used? And it's not going to be a superficial assessment. It's going to be one that requires discernment. It it requires discernment. It requires digging into the work and 
engaging with other people. And here's a little charity plug uh, to the most important, I think the most disgusting thing about self-censorship mm-hmm. to people who do not believe in it is that most of the time there's this temptation by the self-censorer to consider themselves better than others who might not have the same rules of censorship. Mm-hmm. And that's ugly. That's mm-hmm. a really, really ugly look right. for a Christian. Right. Because, I, 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 so I just urge you, make rules for yourself and apply them faithfully for the sake of your heart and your growth and righteousness before God as his instruction and wisdom guides you. And don't be satisfied with bare rules. Yeah. But when you apply these things and you start to see the fruit of the Spirit, don't squelch the Spirit by believing that what you're doing is the source of your growth. Right. And don't hold it over other Christians who might not be applying the work of the Spirit in their hearts in the same way that you are. And it's not necessarily for the worse. Now, if you think it is, challenge them. There's nothing wrong with that, to challenge mm-hmm. a person in love. Right. But at the same time, it can't be out of the spirit of self-righteousness. I think that's what turned us off from the rules in the first place. Right. I think it might be strange to a lot of people that we're coming out this hard against like self, even, even self-censorship, but censorship in general. Mm. But the reason that we promote ugly art and also censorship, it flows from the same basic principle that art is incredibly influential like art and entertainment shapes people and um and in the case of ugly art like it's very important to deal with important realities of life which includes sin and you gotta you gotta face that and and consider it and deal with it um but at the same time do it very carefully, yeah. Uh, because you will be, you will not emerge unchanged by whatever you let into your heart. So guard your heart; it's important. Um, but don't don't use frivolous uh, rules that aren't actually going to accomplish much. But use discernment. Do not taste. Do not touch. Do not handle. Exactly. Which have a semblance of wisdom in the buffeting of the body, but they're they're really just useless against the flesh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think we have uh, selected a song to play us out. Can you think of one that would be appropriate? Mm, yeah, we should, probably should have thought about this. Yeah, before. I know. We usually talk about this before the podcast. Um, well, I mean, we could play one of the songs that... Uh, oh, I know. I got it. Brock's Folly. Again, uh-oh. Is no, this two in a row? There's a lot of Brock's Folly going on. Uh, really I do apologize. I just love promoting my own, <laughs> my own stuff. Um Whenever we did our last album, uh, I Have Seen the End, there was one curse word in the whole album, um, and it made us have an explicit label on like Spotify or whatever, because there's one word, looks like, looks like it's some rap album, um, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, in the, uh, <laughs> it's in the song, um, the father song, and... Um, I think that it was chosen very specifically. I think Jesse wrote the line, but it was chosen pretty pretty intentionally. And I think it was dealing with an emotion and with a topic that really called for strong language. And um, I think that that was the first curse word that we sponsored as far as like the first curse word that we worked in 
you know, that was in a project of, of ours at Renew the Arts. So that was pretty interesting to try to figure out if it was important enough and worthwhile. And we did. So anyway, this is the father song. Um, and remember to bleep yourself. tree is full of split branches A phoenix that is drowned leaves no ashes Just a bloated corpse afloat on the tide The story of our fathers is the story of treachery Weak traitors to the cause of our family Little boys do just what they see And there's a stench in the wind Oh, there's something foul blowing in Oh, it smells like sex and cheap old gin What happened to our King is looking down oh, on the roofs of his town. Oh, she caught his eye when she dropped her gown. A moment's meditation makes the world burn down, down, down. Meditation makes the world burn down, down, down.